welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 113 for Monday, November 2nd, 2020. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixorifs, and joining me as always is the goat, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave oh, that up. I'll, I'll leave that up to the listeners at home. Whether that's greatest of all time or just goat. <laughs> ah, there we go. I have oh. a beard now. It's not a goatee, so I, mm-hmm. I'm 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 all goat. I'm 100% goat. Uh, if you uh, are interested in seeing goats in 4K, or talking <laughs> about 4K, or potentially my plans for a new television and next gen uh, Xbox, then check out the render distance. It's the pre-show conversation that Johnny and I have every week. You can get the extended conversation by becoming a, mem- becoming a member at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. So normally this is where we log in and talk about the stuff that we've been up to in Minecraft. I really didn't get a chance to play much this weekend. The, the one little bit I did, I honestly spent like 90 minutes managing inventory because I'm trying to do these big, these future big builds that are happening in, in the um, medieval realm on the Citadel. And I realized that when I went to go do something, I was out of everything. So right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to go refill the shulker boxes. I basically did a shopping trip and that was, that was the extent of my play. I haven't really had much of a chance. So what have you been up to in, in Minecraft? Oh, a couple of things. Uh, for a start, uh, in Survival Guide news, I'm now up to 5,500 debris in my quest for the Netherite Beacon, which leaves 404 not found. Um, this was kind of my my intention to begin with. I need 5,904 debris, as we've well documented at this point, to make a full beacon out of Netherite blocks. And I decided I was going to get the last 404 on one of my Tuesday streams, uh, because we we normally do resource gathering on Tuesdays on my Twitch channel. And so this Tuesday, the day after this podcast goes live, I will be gathering the last 404. I have sneakily actually got a little bit more from the last stream already, but I decided I wanted to just save that and then count it on Tuesday so we could keep the, the 404 not found joke alive for all of the nerds out there. Um... But outside of that, um, some very, very exciting stuff happened on a bonus stream that happened this Saturday where I might, maybe, may have been playing Minecraft Dungeons with one of the developers. Um, Laura de Jonas, or de Lornas, I'm not sure how she pronounces the double L, uh, <laughs> uh, is a senior game designer on Minecraft Dungeons, and she joined me uh, for 90 minutes, which is very, very kind of her to spend more than an hour hanging out, and uh, we chatted about her contributions to the game, uh, implementing the new Apocalypse Plus update and the upcoming DLC, all while trying to beat some of the new trials in the Apocalypse Plus and Spooky Fall updates, where we had spooky trials added to the game there is a vod of that stream now up on my youtube channel it's still there on twitch as a separate highlight as well because i switched to playing hades a little bit later on because it was halloween felt like doing a couple of uh, spookier themed games and yeah we had an absolute blast it was lovely talking to laura i have a little bit more uh, thoughts on minecraft dungeons spooky fall update and apocalypse plus for later in the show and that's probably going to be our main discussion but that was a really great time and if you enjoy minecraft dungeons uh consider checking the vod out it will be linked in the show notes moving into the news minecraft java edition 1.116.4 has a release candidate number one uh, the changes include adding options to hide matched names and they fixed a bug it was mc202614 the search function in social interaction screens only finds names that begin with the letters that you typed in to quote the post from minecraft.net if no further critical issues are found we expect this version to be the full release of 1.16.4 on Thursday. That would have been October 29th. As of this recording on November 2nd, there is not yet been a full release of 1.16.4. 
uh, the Ask Mojang series on YouTube from Minecraft uh, did an all about caves and cliffs uh, episode. In this special edition of Ask Mojang, Adrian sits down with the Caves and Cliffs team to answer some community questions about the updated uh, announced. Uh, the sorry, the update announced at Minecraft Live in October. It's about a 26-minute watch, but we're going to break down some of the highlights in just a few minutes here. Yes, uh, I do want to quickly follow up on the 116.4 release. Um, Adrian Ostergaard actually posted on October 29th saying, things have happened and we made the decision to hold the release of 1.16.4 until Monday, so that should be coming out later today as of this recording. Ah. Uh, still, there wouldn't be any changes from 1.16.4 RC1 to the actual release. So it seems like all of that has gone ahead as planned. They just, for whatever reason, had a couple of hiccups with actually releasing the launcher version, but everything should be under control hopefully <laughs> and it, it must be kind of difficult with them all having to work from home and everything so coordinating the release may just have gone a little bit awry but no worries um in other news we have uh, the bedrock edition beta actually getting some looks at 117 content which is quite a surprise but a welcome one goats and powdered snow were added into the bedrock beta for 1.17 uh, so goats can now be found spawning in the mountain biomes, and besides the occasional erratic jump, they also love to spontaneously ram any mountain hiker they get close to. Uh, they also ram animals, um, cows included, and yeah, a few other things besides. Um, powder snow is a porous block that ignores fall damage. Players will sink through powder snow, and it greatly limits player mobility. You can also walk through it at a slower pace kind of similar to cobwebs but maybe a little faster leather boots will allow players to walk on top of powder snow and goats will actively try and avoid it jumping over it where they can or walking around it uh, if you want instructions on how to access the minecraft bedrock beta i think this is for windows 10 android and maybe xbox uh, you have to sign up through the um, xbox uh, insider hub and that will give you access to the beta there instructions on how to do that are at the article at minecraft.net which we have linked in the show notes last but not least as we hinted in our uh, <laughs> in our intro here, the Minecraft Dungeons Spooky Fall event was live and it actually expires tomorrow. So if you want to get a, a look at Minecraft Dungeons Spooky Fall and grab some of those exclusive items, it was running from October 26th to November 3rd and there are limited time seasonal trials which reward you with themed items. There are, I think, four or five to collect in total. It's an armor a weapon, uh, a, a sort of melee weapon, a ranged weapon, and an artifact. So I guess that's four. Um... It also introduces the new Night Mode Challenge Mode, and here to stay is Apocalypse Plus Difficulty, which is a brand new expansion to the game that adds a lot more additional difficulty levels. So when we talk about uh, the the Ask Mojang uh, Caves and Cliffs update, which I think is really the best thing to elaborate on here from the news. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I found some value in it, obviously. Yeah. But there was kind of like this underlying feeling that I had when watching it. And it was really great to have the developers elaborate because sometimes a question would lead to them kind of like, and I don't mean this in a bad way, kind of babbling on a little bit. And it would be just like, oh, wow, okay, I didn't know that. Because they it kind of like elaborating on what their thoughts are, especially if something wasn't done yet. They're like, oh, well, we might think about this or we might do that. And I thought that was pretty good. They also squashed some of the more direct questions that you and I probably already know the answer to just because we have a good feeling about Minecraft. Like you kind of know the kind of things that the developers are just like, yeah, that, that wouldn't be fun. We're not going to put that in the game, that kind yeah. of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but at some points, I feel like there was a lot of, we don't know, we don't have an answer. They're either not going to say anything because they can't, because they don't know, because it's not done, or they know 
and six or eight months out from release, they're not telling us. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And it's it felt kind of strange. And I'm not saying that it's the devs. I'm I'm just saying that the question selection was kind of odd. Where like you'd have some really good questions, and then you'd have some questions like when is the exact release date? Like, they're not going to tell you that. Why are you even reading that on the YouTube video? So it was a bit of a slog for me to get through. And I kind of, I feel like they could have had it in 2021 and had it be just a little bit more informative. And some of these other things, like some of these questions could have been like Twitter questions, you know, yeah. like that could have been answered quite easily by like, we're not telling you that now. Stay tuned. We said summer 2021. Yeah. Like, that's all you're getting. Um, at what point? ever has as mojang said the exact release date a year out like they just no no yeah. and no developer does that because they can't because then they're beholden to some you know arbitrary date that m might need or, to change dramatically right? or, or like or like cyberpunk 2077 it kind of becomes a meme where it's like infinitely delayed or no man's yes. sky same thing right yeah. so yeah yeah exactly yeah, I, I think i think the problem really is a, a balancing act between them trying to feel like they are not ignoring the community and you know kind of deflect accusations of ignoring the community when naturally right after this announcement everybody has all of these questions right and i feel like if they didn't say something about the release date and a potential kind of like we we still only have a ballpark figure then people would say like well they didn't tell us that and so i i feel like you've really got to nip some of those questions in the bud with shows like this even if mm -hmm. you can't give a more precise answer so i kind of get what they're going for even though it is frustrating to hear them say what we expected them to say which is we don't know exactly yet um but we still got some really interesting and kind of notable answers and i picked out a few timestamps of um like specific places that i thought were interesting answers um in particular about seven minutes 20 in uh Zylefian, who i believe is making his first appearance in a uh a mojang video so awesome uh <laughs> uh and Ulraf uh, confirmed that uh caves and cliffs is only going to focus on overworld terrain um because obviously the nether and the end are both kind of separate dimensions and while the nether has had updates recently the end is still lacking updates and they sort of talked a little bit there about um what updates could happen in the end and they actually got quite excited about the idea and shared a little bit of the thought process behind that of saying well the end has to kind of remain desolate that's almost the character of the end right now so we have to be very careful about what features we add and not just making it a sort of lush and tropical landscape almost when part of the the whole vibe of the end right now is that it's so empty um and so yeah they, they did confirm that it was only going to focus on overworld caves and overworld terrain rather than making any changes to the nether in the end um lady agnes sort of dodged the question but sort of gave us an answer about world height about eight minutes 50 in they said um you know she said they'd like to extend the world height because they want to fit in more of the the cliffs and everything but it is technically difficult as we've kind of speculated on this show before uh it could be a possibility but it will mean rendering more terrain increasing the chunk height kind of introduces a lot of performance problems and they want to make sure everything is accessible to everybody so they are looking into solutions to that so they have not ruled out or said no we're not going to do a world height change uh but they can't promise it will happen either so we haven't got a confirmation on whether or not that's happening but remember they have about nine months in which they aim to develop this update so who knows what could happen between now and then um that's something i really enjoyed about a lot of the responses i think specifically from from agnes but also from the other developers it was kind of reassuring that some of the things that you and i have speculated here on the spawn chunks 
are be like those same concerns of like, well, world height would be cool, but boy, that presents a lot of challenges. Yeah. And then uh, she also mentioned something about uh, someone was asking about light sources and uh, will you add fireflies to the game? Because you mentioned that the glowing ore was temporary in Minecraft Live because it was just meant to illuminate the caves better to show off at at the the conference uh, in the presentation. But that's not going to be the case when it actually comes out. So the the um, Minecraft fan was asking about what other light sources and, and Agnes was saying like, well, the fireflies would probably mean dynamic lighting and that's not coming in caves and cliffs because that's quite difficult. But we are thinking about adding other light sources along the lines of the glow berries that they did reveal in the lush caves. They've got other ideas for lighting in the caves and cliffs update similar to that. Uh, she didn't elaborate anything beyond that, just kind of like saying that there are other lights that we have in mind. And again, like having that technical concern, I, I've, I remember us talking about that kind of thing, you know, on, on the show. And it was really kind of cool with other developers as well to kind of hear like they're kind of in that same sort of mindset where they, they have the same sort of possibilities. But you and I kind of come to the same conclusion, like, that's really cool, but woof, that would be really hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's nice to have your suspicions confirmed in that sense. And also yeah. just mm -hmm. to hear it from the developers themselves instead of having it all just left open to speculation is kind of nice, even if the, the answer itself is not a definite one. Um, moving on to about 15 minutes in, Alexander Ostman explains that goats will only headbutt you if you're standing still, and the way to avoid that is to move around them. I think a few people were worried that if they just encounter a herd of goats, then there's no chance that they're going to survive uh, and just get headbutted off a mountain. But yeah, it, it seems like, and now we can play with goats as well. You get to see some examples of this behavior. I think it it seems like the goat headbutting thing is also a little bit more... Uh, it's it's a little bit more scarce. It's not like you, you don't encounter a goat and then it immediately attacks you the way hostile mobs do. It just seems to be like a more playful behavior that they have. And if you're constantly in motion, then potentially you're going to uh, you're gonna be able to avoid being headbutted. Although maybe if you stop to craft something, maybe a cheeky goat decides that you're an easy target. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And they they kind of line themselves up with you and then charge along a certain line. And then if you step out of the way of that, they'll continue charging past you, right? So there's there's ways of That's avoiding kind of, it. Kind of like a, a telegraph from like a you know other yeah. video games, you know, kind of like the 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 boss fight stuff where like mm -hmm. they they stomp and you know that after the stomp they charge in a certain direction or something like that so you have to get out of the way it yeah. makes a lot of sense i given the amount of crossovers that i've seen in some of the youtube content that i've cons been consuming and how little minecraft players stand still at any point no matter what they're doing uh, i think a lot of people are going to find it quite easy to avoid goats Yes, definitely. Um, about 20 minutes 10 in, there is a bit more discussion about the ideas and challenges behind implementing bundles. And here I'll also give a quick shout out to something I'm sure we'll come back in a, a future episode. But Olrath did a stream with uh, Cubfan, Azuma, Etho and Echo Soldier talking about some of the announcements that had been made at the Caves and Cliffs sort of announcement at Minecraft Live and... Uh, getting their early thoughts on what they saw. And they had some really interesting discussion about the challenges behind bundles. I think Azuma came at it from the angle of this doesn't really solve all of our problems with inventory. And Olraf said, well, it's not meant to. It's meant to solve one specific problem. And there was a lot of interesting back and forth about the problems that there already are with inventory and how bundles are going to be one part of a larger kind of series of discussions and, and features that are going to, you know, move into the inventory management space in this game um outside of that about 21 minutes 15 in uh, king b dogs has lots of answers about the warden 
and in particular some stuff about what the warden will drop what exactly it is warding like what what is protecting down there the answer really being kind of nothing although i think they wanted to add a few loot chests to those caves that the warden spawns in and maybe the skulk blocks also being part of the prize of finding there and and kind of sneaking around the warden i think you picked out a couple of other details of this that you found interesting joel yeah, and one of the great things that you can do, and I, I'm surprised I didn't know this, um, when you're trying to get through a long YouTube video quickly, if you um, click on the three dots next to um, the, the system underneath the video, you can actually get a transcript. Yes. And this has a really good transcript. So you can kind of like read through to the questions that you actually want to remember hearing or, or get to quickly. Yeah. Uh, and and then kind of get and you'll skip to the video if you click on the actual text, which is yeah, on, really really cool. On videos that have subtitles, whether they're automatically generated or added in, you can open the transcript like that. It's very very useful. Yeah, super cool. Uh, so anyway, um, the warden currently does not drop anything, uh, according to Brandon. That's King B Dogs, right? Yeah. Um, uh, would you like to? Um, but he, he said that he would like to see it stay like that. He didn't say it was going to. He said that he thought it was a nice idea that it didn't drop anything because it decentivizes players from just simply killing it. Yeah, uh, I, I think there and, was there was a brief discussion about maybe it drops a trophy item because it's quite hard to kill. Right. But then, yeah. yeah, it did seem like they wanted to encourage players to sneak around it instead of just killing it like you do with the other hostile yeah. mobs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I kind of anticipate that will get some negative feedback. Not from me. I think that's neat. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm also not a big PVE guy. Like, I really, I don't care. I'd rather just build stuff. Yeah. Um, but but I can see that a lot of the mentality around the, the general population of Minecraft players is like, what do I get? You know, it's... Yes. Because I'm the kind of person that feels bad killing that first cow in a new world, whereas <laughs> other people are just like, look, cow, meat. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Despite the fact that I love hamburgers in real life. Uh, the other thing that uh, they said just shortly thereafter was that there are definitely going to be lots of loot and lots of chests within the deep dark. That's a quote. Uh, so it's the warden originally said that isn't protecting anything is actually, I, I would say, probably protecting not, nothing that it drops. But I think the area, the deep dark is going to have a lot of stuff that you're interested in getting. Uh, and I think that it could be it could be really um cool if there's a lot of unique things in there or even if it's just a, a lot of stuff that you would have to get um in other ways you know like if people don't want to spend hours and hours mining to get things like a chest with diamonds in it perhaps then you know risking an adventure with the within the deep dark and trying to avoid the warden while a different kind of gameplay might be rewarding and might not take as long as like strip mining someplace um the thing that i thought was really interesting there is that we don't know like what if the deep dark happens to also coincide next to a geode or something like it could be protecting a lot of things if the, yeah. you know if you have to go near the deep dark to get to a geode then like you've got all kinds of reasons to go that way um i already mentioned the dynamic lighting stuff from agnes uh, they confirmed that copper is the only new ore that's going to be added in caves and cliffs this wasn't surprising but uh, i thought the elaboration was interesting um, if they have other ores they're going to add, they're going to add them in other updates because they want Minecraft to last a long time. Yeah. Um, but uh, other existing ores will not have the oxidation stages, only copper, uh, despite the fact that we all know that iron rusts in real life. And as yeah. cool as that would be, they want copper to remain unique. So iron is not going to get, and other um, metal or ore-related blocks are not going to get the oxidation stages. 
um, they did joke a little bit about New Wars in the end. Uh, and actually, it was really cool to see the devs get excited about that. That's not yeah. coming in Caves and Cliffs, but it was just like this down-the-line speculation that we like to do on the podcast for fun. And it was kind of cool to see them just like completely forget that they're on a YouTube video and just kind of like get into this nerdy water cooler discussion. Oh, yeah, that would yeah. be really cool. What That would be really scary mining down in the end islands and all that kind of stuff. It was really fun. Uh, to see that kind of um, that kind of stuff. I mean, no surprise. Obviously, they're very, very passionate about Minecraft. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think that's all I really want to cover from that video. But really interesting video. And if you've got half an hour to spare, definitely worth worth watching for yourself. Just to see, if nothing else, just to see the genuine enthusiasm of people who are working on the game. And they, like you said, they kind of they light up when specific topics come up, and they're they're sort of really passionate about certain aspects especially if it's a feature they've been developing themselves so it's it's always really cool to see them talk about the the game that they all make because they're all clearly like fans of the game as well and i feel like to to develop something like minecraft you sort of have to be a fan of it at the same time for sure um, let's uh let's talk a little bit about the um the bedrock beta because I, I think we don't really need to talk much about 116.4 we kind of covered the main uh yeah. features of that in a previous video a uh, previous podcast rather um so I haven't loaded up the 117 beta for, for Bedrock and actually played with Goats and Powder Snow myself because my PC right now is still using the RTX beta and I've found that switching between beta versions is a real pain uh, for Bedrock Edition. I think there are some things you can do that help make it easier. Some people gave me a little bit of advice on that, but realistically right now I'm also potentially between PCs because I have another custom PC that's coming soon. So I don't want to mess around with that too much and risk losing some of my my Bedrock Edition worlds that I've already made in the RTX beta. So um, I will recommend a couple of videos, one by Wattles and one by Azuma. They both had really good showcase videos for Goats and Powder Snow. And um, it's funny because Azuma doesn't really play Bedrock all that often. So I think a lot of his video was just him trying to figure out, you know, how do I get around some of the inventory and like navigate the world? And I don't have access to spectator mode, so I can't just fly around and show you that stuff. Um, but they both got into some really interesting concepts about each of them. Um, I think Azuma was more interested in the the kind of the technical implications of stuff like Powder Snow. So if you throw items through it, they sink through it in the same way that a player sinks through it. Basically, all entities will slowly drift downwards through Powder Snow. So Azuma's mm. first thought with that was, yeah, if you want to use that as a, a timer in the same way that you do with cobwebs right now, it takes about a minute for an item to fall through a cobweb and then it can fall onto a pressure plate and that creates a slow clock as long as you have a dispenser kind of dispensing items from above and you can do something similar with powdered snow but it doesn't slow things down as much so there's like little kind of features like that that aren't necessarily part of it at first glance but then once technical players get hold of them they're going to be able to do something really interesting with it um they both showcase the fact that goats are supposed to headbutt trees and when they do they will drop their horns uh, which is an interesting aspect of goats that didn't get covered in in the sort of initial notes about them is that I don't think goats, like the warden as we were discussing earlier, I don't think goats actually drop anything when you kill them right now. They don't drop any kind of meat, they don't drop the horns when you kill them, or maybe they will end up doing it, but they will also shed the horns naturally, which means that you can collect them without needing to kill them and farm them, right? That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a neat mechanic. Yes, it really is. And the the fact that they, they kind of naturally kind of headbutt other blocks... It is kind of it feels natural it's like you know a bear scratching its back against a tree kind of situation mm -hmm. like it it adds a little bit of character to them and like i don't really see goats really doing a whole lot that 
hasn't been covered by existing mobs. Apparently, you can get milk from goats as well, but you can Makes also sense. you can get milk from cows, right? And if you want something that attacks other mobs, zoglins do that, and they do that faster than goats seem to do, at least right now. Um, but they seem to be pretty well fleshed out as far as a mob goes. I don't know what the goat horn's purpose is. Like, I don't think it has any crafting recipes or anything you can use it for yet. But there's a lot of community speculation about that. A lot of good ideas being thrown around. Maybe it being a horn that you can blow, similar to the way like a pillager raid horn sounds. You know, if you can kind of summon something with it. I, I'm not sure. But um, my first brain goes to uh, my first brain. Your wow, first brain. Thank you. <laughs> you, thank, you, you. thank you. Monday morning. My second brain is is still <laughs> spinning up. Uh, no, the um, the horn in Minecraft Dungeons that gives like a blowback effect. Yes. Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Like a and knockback. It, Exactly, and and it, that kind of ties in with the goat in a sense because it gives you the power of knockback without physically attacking something, yeah. and it kind of ties in with what goats already do. So that's really not a bad suggestion. I like that a lot. Um, and plus, if it has that fun, like you know, deep um, Viking horn noise, you know? yeah, the kind of the bellowing kind of horn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. totally. Yeah, I, I I really like that as an idea. And so so goats are are kind of an interesting one in that if you find them in mountain regions. It's going to be a nice way to find milk if you want to get rid of bad omen or other potion effects. Like, that's potentially uh, an upside to it if you can't find cows, but the goats are pretty much everywhere. Goats also, when you breed them together with wheat, they produce like a whole litter of kids. It's not just one animal the way it is with cows and sheep and so forth. It produces like five to eight from what I've seen in Azuma's video. So, yeah, that you get like a lot of them at once. And while that might be a little OP for farming, if you farm them for meat, apparently you can't. Or if maybe they they might end up dropping mutton because that's, you know, similar to sheep and so forth. But yeah, really, I, I don't see goats necessarily being used in the way we already use passive mobs. And that's a good thing because it means they add something different to the game. Mm -hmm. uh remy uh 0520 in our live chat actually just mentioned that maybe it's used as another bucket i don't know if it's needed in the tech tree but like having a bucket that you don't have to use iron for could be really interesting especially in the impl implementations and things like skyblock yeah uh, if, if you could have a horn of mead somehow <laughs> in minecraft it seems <laughs> seems unlikely given the alcoholic nature of mead but yeah having a yes. a, a horn of milk <laughs> it's the the pg version definitely give me a horn of milk and a chocolate chip cookie and i'm happy absolutely yes and we already have cookies so you know that's uh, it seems like an obvious choice right um so yeah we now we have powder snow as well which um is quite funny because now the ideal armor set for avoiding traps and hazards is gold helmet elytra netherite leggings leather boots <laughs> because you need a gold piece to avoid piglins attacking you you need your elytra for mobility i guess the leggings are kind of neither here nor there right now so take the best thing you can but now you need leather boots to stop falling through powdered snow um and i don't know how many people are really going to be rocking around with leather boots um and i don't see powder snow being a huge problem say like in single player pve right because no it's no. only really going to be found in the new newly generated mountains and in building terms there's a little bit of extra texture variation to snow and powder snow like the the powder snow has like slightly more crisp blues in it and there's a little bit more kind of powdery white texture overlaid on top of that um, so it is possible to see the difference if you are being careful. If you're just running around, then yeah, you're probably going to miss a block here and there. Um, but I think it's kind of nice that it has a little bit of texture variation that you can add to snowy areas. And except for the rare occasions where there might be a lava lake below it, you're probably not going to fall into anything too dangerous. The block doesn't suffocate you either, 
uh you can mm. you can breathe just fine while you're in it and part of the coolest part about it for me is that when you're inside powdered snow it renders the interior texture of the block instead of completely blocking your view it does look like you're looking at the cube from the inside and it also comes up with this kind of icicle frosty kind of vignette almost like the frost that develops on the the corners of windows in, oh, in cold in cold weather yeah it, it adds this kind of surround to it that says i'm in a snow block now and so it prevents the player from being too disoriented by that because once you see that vignette you know what's going on and i think that's actually pretty clever yeah i would agree on that the, th the thing that i'm curious about is in the higher altitudes where you're going to find snow or your uh I, not snow here snow that's a joke uh, uh powdered snow like if snow then falls on top of it in normal snow layers is it going to have the same texture as the snowier snow or is it going to be camouflaged by being just the same as every other piece of snow yeah that's a very good question i don't i i would assume snow layers can form on top of it at which point yeah it could be camouflaged and you might have to be more careful to not walk on snow layers yeah so, and and then it comes like then that's a pain in the butt because if you're texturing with it and you want it to if you want it to show and you're in a higher altitude then you've got to try to figure out how to not have snow like cover it i'm hoping that snow layers would have a different texture if they're on powdered snow that would be my my yeah. hope for that i think the alternative is if the aesthetics are really that important to you you spawn proof it with string or you snow proof it rather with string and that yeah. that can have the same effect from a distance and up, up close obviously you'll notice the string at that point but mm -hmm. it might blend in enough with the white textures around it that you don't have too much of a problem so yeah uh that's that's the goats and powder snow update uh for for bedrock beta we are going to save a discussion of minecraft dungeon spooky fall once again for our main discussion this week uh how about we get into emails sure uh first email comes in from gundar h striker a landscape artist member in our discord scaling up note blocks hi pix and joel i've recently seen a lot of incredibly large note block contraptions on reddit and are able to play uh and that are able to play a short tune that, while very neat to see and listen to, take up a few stadiums worth of blocks to build in a quote-unquote condensed state. With sound being a big focus of the deep dark, I have high hopes that Mojang will revisit note blocks and possibly make them easier to use, such as creating an interface that pops up when you click on the block. Rather than going through the notes one by one, you can simply choose which note you want to the block to play right uh, off the bat. I would be really it would be really cool uh i think as well if it was possible to somehow record your musical creations onto discs which would give the old jukebox a refreshed use these are just hopes and dreams of a musician of course i play the banjo but i would like to know what you think of this idea have a chunkful day gundar h striker <laughs> i i like the sign off and uh yes the as, as a banjo player you'll prefer the uh the note block and hay block combination i'm sure um but yeah i i like the idea of them having a gui and it's it's kind of tricky really because i i understand that they kind of want to avoid adding too many of these additional interfaces into minecraft just to keep things a bit more tactile but note blocks tend to feel a little bit too obtuse at times not really knowing the full scale that you can apply to them unless you experiment with them a little bit more and i think that's really the idea is that a lot of note block stuff is supposed to come out of experimentation um one thing i would recommend is that i believe there are mods out there or at least um some sort of plugins and tools out there that can be used 
to effectively write sheet music and then import into a Minecraft world that will then generate a note block setup that does the same thing. So if you want to jump straight to having a note block that works, you know, 100% of the time and, and you don't have to put as much effort into it because it's all there for you, if you're familiar with, with musical notation, I'm not quite sure how the, the mod itself works, but I think you should be able to import like a basic MIDI file or something like that and you can have it set up a note block system for you. Um, that might be a, a, a worthwhile go-between while you're still trying to fiddle around with some of that stuff and, and just tweak a couple of things here and there in-world once you've got all of the uh, the heavy lifting done by the, the mod. One of the reasons I don't mess around with note blocks very much is because of the round-the-horn, quote-unquote, player interaction. Yeah. It drives me yeah. nuts. It's the kind of thing my television used to do when I was 10. <laughs> okay? Like, we're past this in most other forms of technology. So I do find it really frustrating. And I think that a new uh, GUI could be both something that would greatly improve the player interaction, but also useful and educational. Like, what if it was a piano keyboard? You know, and kids that aren't musical would be learning while they're playing Minecraft where the notes are on the keys, you know, and, and what an octave looks like and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that could be, it would open up, uh, I think, some really interesting things for people that are into um, into music and want to do more with note blocks in the game uh, without having to deal with the vanilla, you know, version of, of the current interaction with the tool. They did all kinds of UI changes to all the new profession blocks with the villagers. I don't see any reason why the note block couldn't get an update. Um, I think that would be a, a boon. I actually, now that it's been mentioned, uh, because I do play uh, on Fabric now for um, performance issues on the Citadel, uh, I've been using things like Zero's Minimap uh, and the very useful Shulker Box tooltip, which does nothing but allow you to peek inside of a Shulker Box without putting it down. And I think something like that for note blocks would be great. If I, I'm going to go look uh, for a Fabric mod that doesn't really affect, like, again, it's not something that affects how other players would deal with the game. Like I'm not really getting new blocks or, or having new abilities in, in Minecraft. It would just be a different UI for me so that I could lay out, you know, note blocks really uh, in a better way. Like say if I wanted to build a church in the medieval realm and have a very specific tune play uh, when the bells rang in the church, like that would be really cool to be able to do that and not have it take, you know, 40 hours. Um, with uh, any sound in Minecraft, uh, I think it's 15 blocks is the limit, I think. Um, but I think with Skulk sensors, it would be really neat because of their focus on sound if they somehow interacted in a different way with note blocks. I don't know what that looks like. It's a question for you, I guess. Like, w what could that be? Like, what do you think would be an interesting way that note blocks could interact with Skulk sensors differently than they than other sounds in the game? Well, you can make a pretty easy redstone clock with them, is what I was thinking of immediately, is like the this, the skulk sensor outputs a redstone signal, the redstone signal triggers the note block, the note block makes a sound, the sound triggers the skulk sensor, the skulk sensor emits a redstone signal, and you have that infinite loop going already. Um, yeah, I don't know. It might be interesting if certain note block sounds maybe enable or disable it like if saying like a an 8-bit sound where you get a an emerald block underneath a note block is just too harsh for the skulk sensor and it shuts down for a minute or two and i wonder mm. if that could almost be used defensively against people who have skulk sensor contraptions or something like that i, I don't know I'm, I'm kind of reaching for a few ideas here but uh 
there, there could be some interesting ways of interacting with them. Or if, like, a bass note is something that's actually too low for the skulk sensor to hear. Maybe they have, mm. like, a specific frequency response. Thinking again back to my kind of music production days of, like, which microphones you would choose to use based on what was better for miking up a kick drum or a bass drum, like a, a, a snare or a cymbals. You know, you want you want to have different kind of frequency ranges for your microphones and it'd be interesting if skulk sensors couldn't hear sounds below a certain pitch or, or or above a certain pitch even so that could be an interesting way of of having them interact in some ways um my my two thoughts are range which would be probably technically difficult you know like if if you could have a skulk sensor read a note block from say 30 blocks away instead of the normal 15 or whatever yeah, the normal yeah. range is uh, that technically on the underside of minecraft might not be possible but uh, the other thing i was thinking of is that note blocks there's a way to have a note block not make a sound, right? Like if there's nothing underneath it, then it won't actually make um, any kind of sound. I think if there's nothing underneath it, it reverts to just a basic piano sound. If you put blocks on top of it, it doesn't make a sound. Ah, that's what it is, yeah. right. So I was thinking that in some of these skulk sensor contraptions that people are ultimately going to make, uh, it's going to get kind of annoying if you're always hearing trapdoors or, I mean, you could use note blocks to make more aesthetically sounding contraptions, but if you don't want them to be noisy or if you want them to be less noisy, then if skulk sensors could still detect note block activation without a player hearing the sound, uh -huh. sort of like a, like it's too, to go on your frequency idea, it's too low of a frequency for the player to hear, but the skulk sensor hears it just fine. Yeah. And thus you would get silent, um, you know, wireless redstone, which, have which might be appealing for some players. Ultrasonic note blocks kind of thing. There yeah, that's 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 an interesting <laughs> one. Uh, briefly, before we move on to the next email, uh, Noteblock Studio is the program I was thinking of. It's actually an external program from Minecraft. Um, it was created originally by somebody who goes by Stuff by David. Uh, the last update to that was 2018, but somebody has continued it in an open source form which you can find at opennbs.org and open noteblock studio is the name of it it seems to have been updated fairly recently the last change log here is from 2020 uh and that seems to be back in july as far as i can tell i couldn't tell which way around the date format was we actually had a great discussion about date format in the live chat before we started the show uh but yeah there are loads of improvements to this it seems to be relatively up to date with some of the more recent versions of uh, Minecraft code, so importing stuff into Minecraft in noteblock form is going to be easy enough to do. So maybe play around if you're interested in expanding your experience with noteblocks in the game. Uh, moving on, the next email comes from Raybelay, uh, which uh, the subject is research before a build. Hi, Johnny and Joel. Uh, one of the things I genuinely enjoy about the spawn chunks is how you both have been uh, uh, how open you both have been about how you have to work continuously at finding inspiration and how sometimes it can be a struggle, especially in late game worlds. I appreciate the good advice and it's really kept me going playing this game we love. I'm not a combat player and I wouldn't know a redstone comparator from a hole in the wall. I like cave exploring, but for the love of Pete, if I have one more creeper skydive on top of my head, I will scream. I deeply enjoy the, de uh, the beauty of a good build, but I have terrible taste. I'm getting better and I'm working hard at it, but seriously, yeesh. It took me a long time to figure out what kind of player I actually am. For me, the juice in playing Minecraft was the hours spent doing research for my builds, such as watching documentaries on Stone Age architecture or learning, listening to lecture podcasts about the ruins of Pompeii, and then applying what I've learned to my builds. I'm a rabbit hole Minecrafter. My question is this, when you undertake a larger build, how much real life research do you do before you're picking out the block palette and placing your first blocks? Sincerely, your bookworm buddy, 
Raybelay, P.S. I shudder to think what the YouTube algorithm must make of me. <laughs> and I kind of agree. Like, uh, the, the range of stuff you end up looking up when you go down one of these rabbit holes, yeah, does tend to throw some of your YouTube suggestions into sharp, uh, yeah, some very, some very weird changes. So what I recommend is just using the subscription feed all the time. I have the subscription feed bookmarked instead of the homepage on YouTube, so I don't tend to see most of the weird stuff it would probably throw at me. I've actually had some good recommendations on the algorithm from from YouTube, and only because uh, I usually watch YouTube on an app on my um, my tablet, so it defaults open to the home page. There's nothing I could do about yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Uh, but but sometimes you know, well, that's how I found some of the more more interesting reviews of the Quest Two that I've been looking at. You know, they just they just kind of popped up. I would have not you know seen them otherwise. Um, this is actually where I am at right now on the Citadel, uh, logging in this weekend. I ended up doing some inventory work and some more pathing, even though I was not in the mood to plan out more roads, having done it for the last few weeks. Uh, because when I went to try and figure out where the road is going, I was quickly met with the realization I've done no research. I, I know what I want to do, but I've not looked up any visual reference. Uh, I wasn't feeling super creative to do something from scratch because I'm now in uh, this medieval realm where, surprise, surprise, I actually haven't built a lot in this style in Minecraft. A lot of what I've been doing has been more modern or more redstone farm or uh, or just things that don't matter. Like they're just, they're fun, decorative, and they have a style of their own, but they're not really trying to specifically be, you know, medieval or futuristic or whatever. Um so depending on what I'm doing will determine how much research I put in ahead of time. If it's a farmhouse or like an apartment in a modern city, uh, I've seen enough of those in my actual life that I can kind of go from the hip on those. I'm not too worried about it. I can just maybe, you know, do a little bit of planning in the game before I get into a big build. You might do the same thing, Pixel Res, where, you know, you lay out a couple of quick walls and like cobblestone or something like that, perfectly aware that you might have to move them later, you know, yeah. um, that kind of thing to quickly lay it out. I, I think about it like a sketch when I'm drawing, like I'll draw something knowing that I'm going to draw on top of it and change a lot of stuff. But, you know, the, the initial kind of like layout is, is done in, in, a, in a block that's easy to remove in case I need to change some things. Um, but if it's something like a cathedral or a castle that's got like an elven history or something like that, I would want to spend more time gathering up some ideas for shape language, scale, which is the big thing. Uh, and I think about what's possible within the Minecraft palette. Like, you know, should I be going and farming a lot of uh, warped wood because I've decided that I want to make the, the turquoise roof with the stairs and slabs and things that are available with um, the warped, um, warped wood from the nether. Um, when it comes to searching out things, I generally look for the type of architecture that you're interested in recreating, if it is architecture or landscapes, if that's a thing. Um, I try to look on easy platforms when I'm not at the computer, things like Instagram, when I'm like sipping morning coffee or uh, Pinterest, I find very, very helpful. Something friend of the show, Whip, has mentioned many, many times is trying to start keeping an organized Pinterest board of like references and things. And I honestly, I forget about Pinterest a lot of the time. Uh, I go to Google image search and I get frustrated and I go, wait a minute, I've got a whole Pinterest board about stuff like this. I should mm -hmm. just go back to that. When I'm trying to figure out like, what I want to build next, I, I should just scroll through my Pinterest page and go, oh, wait a minute, that's a really cool water wheel house. And all of a sudden I could be in a mood to make like a, a, a water mill for a, a wheat farm or something that I've, I've built. Um, I've mentioned this on the show before, Lego and Lego Ideas, the websites, uh, are great sources of inspiration uh, for builds. And they're easier to translate because... Uh, 
they're already kind of blocky. It's not a one-to-one -one, uh, because the, the proportions of Lego blocks are different than Minecraft blocks, but you can kind of get a really decent idea, especially because a lot of Lego builds are minifig scale. So if you think of the minifig as player scale in Minecraft, then you can really kind of judge like a boat where you want to do certain things. And it, if you're trying to build in player scale, that does really help quite a bit. Uh, I tend not to look up specific Minecraft builds. Like I don't go looking through, say like mythical sausage builds on Instagram if I'm trying to find inspiration because I will end up more than likely lifting you know, yeah. either either on purpose or accidentally some things um, that I don't want to do it because some of my enjoyment of Minecraft is figuring out how to take like a concept painting from some like like video games or a movie and translate that into Minecraft. That's part of the fun for me. Um, but if I do get really stuck, especially when it's scale, which I mentioned earlier, uh, because I don't have a lot of time to play Minecraft, I don't want to get 30 hours into something and realizing that I've made the wrong scale and that I just, yeah, I either have to accept it and be grumpy or I have to start over. And I just, I'd rather look up a couple of things like, you know, maybe revisit, you know, Vastin and, you know, take a look at some of Fixit's builds and see how he built those cathedrals. How wide were the doors? How big was that big stained glass window? Just to kind of give myself a bit of a hint just so I'm not, okay, not so far off base that I can't make it work in the long run. But that's kind of where I go when it comes to research. It really depends on how much uh, I I get into. And I I happen to be an artist, so... I can also get into some some concept art. I've done a couple of streams before uh, where I've been actually doing some painting that'll eventually be Minecraft builds. I just needed to flush it out in my brain first. And so that that's an advantage that I have. But most of the time, I'd say it's not a ton, but I definitely want to do some research, especially if it's something that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, I, I'd, I like to do like more more like research to get a vibe of something rather than individual structures like if i'm working on something that's like a modern city then i'll look up modern city buildings not necessarily to get an idea of like okay i want to translate that directly into minecraft or you know i i want to kind of copy the the foundation of these buildings looking to kind of blueprints and stuff like that it's more just about the general atmosphere of something because i find that especially when you're working on a smaller scale like you were saying joel it's so difficult to translate things one for one like as soon as the real world has you know fine detail down to the blade of grass then you kind of lose perspective on how you can translate that into minecraft where everything is a meter by meter block so you end up finding you know single structures usually have to be quite large because then like you said yeah you're looking at you're looking at shape you're looking at scale and you don't need to worry too much about whether it's going to fit into the small niche you have carved out in your medieval village to do a build as detailed as all that, right? So, yeah, I, I tend to I tend to look for general atmosphere kind of inspiration, looking for concept art for yeah fantasy stuff. You're looking at how towns are composed and. More often than not, those things fill in for me, not the structures themselves, but the spaces in between. Because looking at building a medieval town on a flat plane, I pretty soon realized that all of the medieval concept art I was seeing had bridges and stuff connecting houses and archways that went under stuff. And otherwise, I would have just ended up building a, like a row of houses on a flat landscape and it really wouldn't have felt as dynamic and lived in as a city that had a little bit more infrastructure and more winding pathways and stuff that went under and over things. And I think that's what 
looking up stuff online really helps me with is getting a feel for the overall shape of an area if not the individual buildings in themselves and i'm quite prideful and stubborn when it comes to that stuff especially and i like a lot of the effort to have come from my own creative brain and since i'm not a traditional artist like joel is i tend to struggle with that side of things a little bit more but that's also what gives me the most satisfaction at the end of the day if i've come up with something from my own brain that was an artistic effort i couldn't have conceived of in any other medium then that's what makes me really happy to be playing minecraft and that's part of the satisfaction too it's it's like finishing a jigsaw puzzle you know exactly, or, or yeah. solving a maze yeah like you've got you've got challenges in the block palettes and the colors and trying to figure out how to make it work on a specific scale and i think it's a really good point too about puzzling through stuff uh when you're when you're in the game and that is when you're playing you're also moving around in the world and if you start to realize, man, this is a real pain in the butt to get from here to there. Wait a minute. I should just connect these with a walkway or a pedway or a door or alley mm -hmm. or something. And that just adds more breathability and life to the build from a player perspective. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do with the medieval areas that I'm trying not to think about it from like way up above so much as I'm thinking about it. Like, what does it look and feel like when I'm on the ground, you know, and, and trying to gauge, you know, the path of the player's eye and stuff like that. Yeah. When you're looking at perspective down a street, what do you see at the end of the street is kind of a con an important mm -hmm. concept and using negative space. So you like, you walk past an alleyway that could just be a space between two buildings. But if you walk further down, then there is like a little courtyard and there's lots of different houses branching off that. And some of them are different heights and maybe there's a gate that leads through to somewhere else and like those are the rabbit holes i go down it's not so much research in t in terms of outside of minecraft it's what can i do in minecraft that leads you off down an undiscovered path um so yeah that's that's the way i approach it but everyone is different everybody has a different approach to minecraft and that's one of the things that makes this such a a great game to discuss every week uh, for this week's discussion topic, though, we want to talk about Minecraft Dungeons, and uh, I'm going to give a little report on the Spooky Fall event, because, Joel, I don't think you've really dipped back into Minecraft Dungeons uh, since, right? No, I haven't, and it's it's not that I don't want to, it's just it's a matter of time versus ability. Yeah, yeah. So, Minecraft Dungeons is really hard now, <laughs> is the way I want to start this. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be hard for people who are still playing through Default and Adventure difficulty, which is the, the first difficulty that you get to have, and you don't get to access Adventure difficulty until you've beaten Default, and then after you've beaten Adventure difficulty, you get to access Apocalypse difficulty, which in itself, as you're playing through the main game, is not super difficult, right? But now they've added Apocalypse Plus, and the spooky trials are kind of an extension of that. It also bleeds into daily trials a little bit as well. Um, and I'll preface this by saying that obviously my play style is not the way everyone plays. I started the character that I think of as my main character, avoiding using any weapons whatsoever. This was the Bare Fist Steve playthrough, where I tried to beat the default game without weapons. Since then, I've started moving on to using monk inspired weapons basically if the, if the monk D, D class was in minecraft dungeons so using martial arts inspired weapons like the gauntlets and the battle staff avoiding ranged weapons where i can and trying to make it through like a, a kung fu master basically nice. and that managed to get me through the entirety of apocalypse difficulty as it existed before however Apocalypse Plus is on a whole new level, and uh, Lara de Jonas was kind enough to spend some time with me kind of talking about uh, Night Mode, which is something that was added with the Spooky Trials and, uh, and Apocalypse Plus. Um, so Night Mode adds continuously spawning mobs to the level, and normally 
if you're playing multiplayer, uh, if one of the players, you know, gets taken out, is knocked unconscious, goes down, um, mobs will spawn around them to make it harder for the allies to resurrect them, basically. So even if you've cleared out all of the mobs in that area, you're not necessarily going to have an easy as pie time picking up that player because, you know, zombies and skeletons, the basic enemies, it's not going to throw super hard stuff at you, but it will spawn in some basic mobs. And night mode is something they've added in, um, and Laura said that they were planning on adding it originally with the first release of the game, but it just turned out kind of difficult to balance, and now everyone's closer to end game, it's a little bit easier to to balance these things out. Um, it, it makes it very difficult because mobs spawn all the time. And it's not going to end the way night mode ends, where if you can't pick up the other players within 30 seconds, then phantoms spawn and start sweeping down on you and it's impossible to continue. Um, but yeah, it, it it's on a whole new level, really. Um, if you play like I do, you also find yourself progressing through levels much slower because the way I typically play Minecraft Dungeons, I like to go through and clear the entire map. Like any of the mobs that are generated with the map, I take them out because I want to get all of the loot I can and maybe get some extra emeralds and that kind of stuff. And obviously with night mode, you can't do that because they're constantly respawning. So we were getting distracted, like rather than following the objectives, we were just sort of standing still, punching everything that came up to us and more stuff was still spawning in. <laughs> so eventually it just felt like, wait a second, we should be following the objective marker here. We should actually be going to, you know, break the cauldrons in the, the spooky swamp level, that kind of stuff. And yeah, there, there were genuinely some moments where it felt like we were being slowed down and having to take it at a different pace. And it wasn't super possible to run through the level and take out absolutely everything. But it also felt like, you know, you still needed to choose to make progress. So it's an interesting way of like having a new take on those levels. Um, so the spooky trials come attached to the three different tiers of difficulty. So you have a spooky trial on default, adventure, and apocalypse. And the apocalypse difficulty spooky trials were fixed at a recommended power level of 125, which is actually higher than the level cap was before this update. So uh, I only had gear that took me up to about level 113. Uh, so I was 12 levels below the recommended power level for this. So you probably have to do a little grinding before you attempt the trials. And I ended up dropping down to adventure difficulty on my stream just so I could collect any of the reward items, uh, wow. because they they were they were pretty OP even for adventure difficulty. Like I was getting gear that was like in the 70s and 80s, and then I got the there was a sword, a bow, a corrupted pumpkin, which was basically a reskin of the corrupted beacon artifact, and there was some spooky armor um, that kind of had the kind of open mouth grimace. Five Nights at Freddy's looking character that they uh, they kind of had in all of the promotional material, right? Um, but even those were like in the level, they were level like 108 or something like that. It was like 30 levels above the gear that you were normally getting on adventure difficulty. So uh, probably worth doing just to grab some of those rewards. Um, but I had to play it on adventure difficulty because apocalypse difficulty was just too dang hard. Even in single player when there weren't as many mobs spawning because it wasn't scaling for a second player being in the game, it was still pretty tough. And Lara said that one of the main things they're trying to address with updates like this is P 
people saying, well, there's nothing to really do at Endgame and the game sort of lacks challenge after a certain point. You can just kind of grind yourself out some decent gear and then you breeze through the levels. And I came into it thinking that's probably what we were going to do. And it really didn't happen that way. I I think I I probably got taken out within the first 10 seconds of us playing the level and I was still wow. able to I was still able to progress it a little bit once I realized okay that's the level of threat we're up against but still even having you know defensive buffs and radiance that was refilling my health every time I attack something it was very difficult it became incredibly challenging to get through those levels I was watching some of the the VOD and it, to me it was even visually hard to follow. Now some of that probably <laughs> has to do with the fact that you are a a, a, a zero distance melee character and yes. the amount of like visual effects that are accompanying all the different powers and trinkets and stuff. Yeah, that you I, have. I have I have radiance, I have shockwave. There's all these particles flying everywhere and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like the mob you're punching disappears under a blitz <laughs> of light. Uh, and, and that's if you're how not I like paying it. attention. Yeah, but if you're not if you're not used to it, like if you're not the one pulling the trigger so to speak uh you're just i'm basically just looking at these numbers going down like i think he killed that mob i can't really <laughs> tell it's like there was three mobs that went on him and he's punching at least one of them but like i'm not sure when they die uh and i and i think that some of that is just like it's that disconnect of not not being the actual player doing stuff yeah um but yeah like it just it visually it looks over like an overwhelming you know in in a in the kind of way that the the promotional material that they had when minecraft dungeons first came out uh, would show like a lot of stuff happening and as the trailer went on and on and on you see like you know firework arrows going off and like all this kind of stuff happening at once and and it looked really intense but that was from multiple people now it looks like it's the reverse it's like you or maybe one other player but it's multiple mobs and uh, like all the different stuff that's happening on the screen at the same time uh i thought night mode was going to be like reduced visibility i didn't think it was going to be like linked to more mobs it makes yeah. sense i mean it makes sense now that i know that but when i read night mode i thought oh maybe you can't see past you know halfway to the edge of the screen or like so you can't necessarily see what's coming and prepare there's for it like that a, there's kind a of bit stuff. more like fog of war kind of thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah no it, it it turned into effectively like a spooky reskin of those levels as well like you there's a, a vignette that comes up when night falls when you lose a player in multiplayer and uh, it was basically that the entire time. So it added some real atmosphere to the levels, even though the levels have bags of atmosphere already. Yeah, um, really well. So that was cool. Um, we moved on to do a little bit of Apocalypse Plus, and I was finding the sweet spot was... A, a lot of the time in, in the first playthrough of Dungeons, you want to crank the difficulty a little bit. You're like, okay, I've got like level five or six kind of power stuff, but let me boost it a little bit so... I'm playing like a couple of tiers above where I should be, but that's more of a challenge. Um, right. This is, and this is referring to when you're on, say, like difficulty, like default difficulty, when you go into a level, you can choose like two, three, four, five for. Yeah, the it, go, it goes from level. it goes from one through seven, I think, maybe even eight right. now. Um, the, right. the sort of the tiers of difficulty you can choose within the broader categories of default adventure apocalypse. Right. Right. Apocalypse plus is. 20 additional levels of difficulty on top of that so it's basically doubling the amount of difficulties that are available in the game right now um, or were available in the game before this update so every tier of that basically enhances it so it's almost like another level of difficulty i was playing i think comfortably on apocalypse 3 uh but there are between one and 20 <laughs> on on those so you you end up having like an additional 20 levels of challenge and obviously the 
loot that you're getting scales up as you play through it but um here's an example of modifiers for an apocalypse level daily trial which once again the recommended power for that was one two five you have 3.6 times more enchanted mobs 1.2 times mob damage 1.4 times mob speed 3.3 times mob stagger resistance which is really important we'll get to that in a second and six percent chance for mobs to revive so sometimes when you beat an enemy one out of every 20 enemies would come back <laughs> they would just oh, wow. respawn and be there without night mode even being in the picture right um but stagger resistance is a really important one and staggering is a concept that occurs in other games but basically it's when a mob uh gets affected by whatever you're doing you you attack it and it plays this animation of it kind of reeling from the attack and that animation cancels out any attacking it was doing for itself, right? And this was one of the ways I used to get through my early Barefist Steve playthroughs was relying on the fact that, okay, if I'm punching these things fast enough, they can't attack me back because they remain staggered. They kind of get stun-locked into this cycle right. of not really being able to attack you. And with additional mob stagger resistance basically you're hitting them but they're still able to hit you back all the time and that becomes increasingly difficult to deal with for somebody like me who kind of relies on overpowering stuff before it has a chance to fight back that in addition to mobs doing more damage being faster and more of them being enchanted makes that incredibly difficult and they have said publicly that they expect apocalypse 20 to be nearly unplayable and that's just like the new set of goalposts they wanted to put out there for people who really didn't think the game had enough difficulty to it on release um, right so the, basically the, the the people that were complaining about the this game gets it's too easy you know you're not offering enough content and exactly baby Mo, game, mojang, you know? Mo, mojang said hold my beer exactly <laughs> Just... yeah more or less hold, <laughs> yeah. hold, hold my horn of milk yeah uh, oh, yeah, so, yeah. Hold my... <laughs> so um yeah one of the toughest combat experiences I had in this entire thing and once again we're talking apocalypse three here like this is three levels into so so 20. just so I'm clear, Apocalypse 3 or Apocalypse Plus 3? Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, the uh, Apocalypse difficulty has its own seven tiers for, like, the regular levels. And now there are 20 levels on top of that. So we're talking Apocalypse Plus 3, I guess. Um, yeah, the, the terminology is just something that I, I kind of went, okay, it's it's... We, we consider Apocalypse as a thing on its own and then Apocalypse Plus, I just add the numbers on top. Um, right. So I the, the, the point that I'm bringing this up because I, I feel like they maybe should have called it something other than Apocalypse Plus. I yeah, feel I, like they could have <laughs> mayhem or I don't know. I feel something like else. it's kind of hard to escalate things beyond Apocalypse. So I, yeah, I, yeah, I, but I, I just, of, yeah. I, I, I get the uh, the nomenclature there being a little bit difficult to to pass from the original thing and to, into the the new expansion, but yes. Yeah, so we'll I'll, I'll I'll keep saying Apocalypse Plus Three. Um, one of the toughest combat experiences I had in that was a witch, uh, which had the gravity enchantment, and people might be familiar with gravity pulse, which pulls players towards a mob. So like if a creeper has gravity pulse. For example, as it tries to explode, it's also going to try and pull you in towards it so it explodes in your face. Um, right. Gravity pulls you into an attack. And that's fine if it's, say, like a Vindicator swinging an axe at you with gravity because then you get pulled in towards the Vindicator. It's basically the same thing. But since witches throw projectiles, they throw potions and a sort of poison cloud comes out of those, 
if that has gravity, you get pulled back into this potion cloud, and basically you're stuck in a harming potion that you can't escape from. Um, and as a melee-only player, I had no way to avoid that, because then I couldn't shoot the witch from range, because I don't do that. And so that was my kryptonite. That was the thing that took me out every single time. And I basically had to rely on certain randomized combinations of enchantments not coming up to be able to make it through the levels. And so it adds a certain level of replayability for the levels in that you want to make sure that with a certain build, you don't encounter certain enemies. You try and avoid stuff a little bit more instead of head-on fighting everything. You can play a bit more tactically that way. But it also just adds, like, balls-to-the-wall difficulty, which mm. is, I think, yeah, something that people have wanted from this game. It depends how people feel about that being scaling up effects on existing levels. And I think one of the main things people wish they had in Minecraft Dungeons already is additional levels without DLC. But if you look at the base game right now, if you look at like the extra bonus levels they've added on, I think there are about 16 levels available to play before you even get into the DLC. So I think it's really not that bad a value proposition at this point. And now Apocalypse Plus is is not paid DLC. It's available for free. It is just part of the game now. So anyone who's still checking out, considering checking out Minecraft Dungeons and you want a bit more of a challenge from the game, it is there waiting for you at this point. Oh, absolutely. And what's, I mean, I think I played, paid around 30 for the Hero Edition? Or yeah, it's, it it's like a, it's, really a, it's, a, it's a $20 game, the base, yeah, the no, base game. Considering that some new titles are coming out that are sixty to seventy dollars, yeah. I I mm -hmm. think at at twenty or even thirty for the addition of all the levels, that is one heck of a value. I think Minecraft Dungeons still suffers from comparison to Minecraft, which I think I've mentioned this before, but like Minecraft is basically the best value for money game you will ever buy, <laughs> as right, far as yeah. like the time you can put in and the infinite replayability it has. But we can't go around comparing every game to Minecraft, even though if it even if it is a Minecraft spin-off game, like it's not going to provide the same experience. So yeah, yeah, I I think it was great. And to to go into a little bit more stuff, Lara was saying because I feel like I'm not really uh <laughs> spending time unpacking some of the stuff she was talking about um some really interesting insights into how they develop the game in particular that the levels of the of the game are all designed in a specialized version of minecraft bedrock edition which is something i don't know if they've discussed elsewhere maybe i missed one of the dev diaries where they were talking about this but effectively they design all the levels from scratch in bedrock edition in a way that they can then export it to unity which is how they add in all of the gameplay elements uh so Neat. yeah any of the the player interactions with scenery where you press a button and a drawbridge lowers and that kind of stuff that's all done with unity but the actual block environments themselves are all done in creative worlds in bedrock um and she said that they work really closely with the vanilla minecraft team and they actually all play on internal um minecraft servers at the office or you know from home now but they all have access to the same sort of mojang specific servers and the dungeons team has their area and the vanilla minecraft team has their area and they all kind of collaborate on stuff but they've actually been designing these levels in minecraft the entire time so they never really lose sight of what the base game looks like but then they can add in newer elements like you know the plants that aren't necessarily conforming to specific block models and some of the decorations and stuff like that can get added in as separate assets later but the baseline is minecraft bedrock edition which is super cool and it's interesting yeah yeah I, I kind of ruminated on that as minecraft sort of being a um a level design tool for people in the community as well because people design mini games and stuff like that in minecraft and there are servers dedicated to that 
and it's really cool to see that effectively that's what the team themselves do when they're developing additional spin-off games to the vanilla minecraft experience i haven't looked it up but i wonder if someone has attempted to rebuild any of the dungeons levels in minecraft yeah i mean i imagine they will and it's the kind of thing that i'm planning on maybe doing a little bit down the line with my minecraft rtx content because of the amount minecraft dungeons does with lighting and color i can actually imagine rebuilding something like redstone mines or fiery forge now that lava has that up lighting glow on the walls right so i I feel like adding something like that into a cave base makes perfect sense once you've got the addition of all of that lighting and i think the lighting really adds so much character to the scene that it's something that you really want to have something like ray tracing to bring in those lighting effects but outside of that i'm certain that some of the the surface builds in particular with the right texture pack if you want to build something like pumpkin pastures i think Mm -hmm. those would go down really well i i would love to have a minecraft dungeons texture pack i realize that because of the variations you'd have to have something like optifine installed to get like you know different kinds of dirt textures with different pebbles and stuff in them because they go beyond what's capable i think in in vanilla minecraft uh in in obviously in minecraft dungeons but there's definitely some some slightly different textures i know a lot of it has to do with the rendering but there's still some textures that i think would be an interesting look for uh for minecraft as an experiment you know yeah yeah definitely and yeah she had a lot of great stuff to add about you know working with the the art team who are developing stuff for dungeons and uh, I'm trying to think what else I can pull out from our conversation. There was a lot anyway, and we were we were chatting for about 90 minutes. Um, she said she'd come to the project relatively late in terms of the development cycle. Like they'd already almost finished the first release of the game, like the base release. And so she's been contributing a lot to the DLC. And she nice. obviously was happy to confirm that, yes, the next upcoming updates are going to be Oceans, The Nether, and The End, or at least themed around those we don't know if they're necessarily like the end one is that going to take place in the end dimension not not entirely certain at this stage but right um outside of howling peaks yeah there is a bunch of stuff planned and they plan on continuing to develop the base experience of minecraft dungeons as well so it's not just going to be we've upgraded the camp we've added apocalypse plus that's it like there's going to be new stuff new features and responses to player feedback that are going to take place throughout the life cycle of this game which and uh, it's, I, I remember them saying that when they do expansions like dlcs there's usually going to be stuff that's added to the base game for free for people yeah. that don't buy the, the dlc at the same time which is smart i mean it's great it's it's not as much as you're going to get with the dlc but with the dlc being less than a horn of milk then why not right like it's, yes <laughs> it's not it's <laughs> exactly. not going to break the bank you know when when the base game is 20 the dlcs are six ish yeah you know, depending on what country you live in. So I, I think that's totally reasonable. Yeah. And uh, it, it seems like the upcoming updates are things they're genuinely excited about because they get to kind of like the Minecraft developers do when they want to add something new to the game. They're thinking, how can we make this unique? You know, how can we make this a feature that really stands out and adds different mechanics and feels different, but feels still like it's part of the same world? And that's what they're doing with the the Oceans update and the Nether update to Minecraft Dungeons in particular. We saw some in the footage from Minecraft Live of the roll animation being replaced with a kind of spinning dash because that feels like the way the player would move through water. But obviously they didn't want to make a water level that people didn't like. So the entire thing is not going to take place swimming, right? It still has to still has to feel like Minecraft Dungeons just with slightly different physics here and there 
but I don't think it's going to be like walking through water and feeling kind of slow as a result. I feel like they're they're planning on keeping the same feel to the entire thing. But then adding in all of the interesting stuff that Minecraft has to offer in those situations, adding in mobs like the Drowned and... Uh, she couldn't go into any specifics, but they had some really exciting stuff planned for the Nether update. It had been developed concurrently with the the uh, 1.16 update, so they had all of the, the assets and all of the additional elements that have been added to the Nether, so there's a chance for us to see biomes decorated like warp forests, for striders to maybe make an appearance. You know, this is all, you know, my ideas kind of pulling stuff out of what we know from the Nether update now, but I think mm. it could be really interesting to see what they end up doing with that. I think riding a strider, you know, to get across certain <laughs> lava rivers, like you can't cross them, you know, similar yes. to like jumping off of a cliff in, in Minecraft Dungeons now, like you can't get across the lava without dying unless you have to jump on a strider, kind of like Frogger, you know? Yeah, at, at the very least, having striders as a summonable pet would be really nice, even though they don't really attack anything in, um, you know, in, in core Minecraft, but imagining having like a, a strider that maybe like headbutts some stuff. <laughs> yeah they kind of they kind of like or Mike... buffs the player it could be defensive yeah exactly they, they're kind of like minecraft's goombas in a way um <laughs> and and so i, th I feel right. like i never thought of that yeah and and i feel like when whenever um mario has done anything with like goombas being able to attack stuff or hold things it's always just kind of like held in the mouth or like on top of the head or something so <laughs> ha yeah having a battle strider would be would be pretty fun um one other thing before we wrap up this conversation just a, a really nice note from from uh my chat with laura because because um, I was asking kind of what her preferred playstyle is, because of course my playstyle is melee only, and there are lots of different ways to play the game. And she she responded saying, "I really prefer just like the stupidest items. Like she's really happy whenever they add stuff to the game that's like the most bizarre out there, like you wouldn't expect it in a million years kind of thing." The example she gave was enchanted grass, which is a new accessory, like a new um, uh, artifact that they've given uh, for beating the secret level, which lets you summon a one of three different sheep at random, and it adds an attack, defense, or I think speed aura to your character. And you don't know which sheep you're going to get, but like enchanted grass just seems like such a weird concept that it, it really appealed to her. So I really like, uh, I like that approach of just picking the wackiest stuff Minecraft Dungeons has to offer, and that's what you end up playing with, because sometimes those things turn out to be the best weapons. I had a bow like that. I think it was either on our combo playthrough or maybe another time, but basically whenever I shot the bow, it made some really weird, like, spring yes. thing, and the arrow, arrow yeah, yeah, made, yeah. like, a weird, like, spiral animation, and it was just, it, it did just as much damage as anything else. I was like, well, I'm going to use this because it's more fun. <laughs> yes, I think it's called the Pink Scoundrel or something as well. Something it's, like that, yeah. They, they've it was all got names too. They've all got names like that. It's super great. Uh, well, folks, we'd love to hear from you, of course, if you've uh, been playing the Minecraft Dungeons Spooky Fall update and what you think of that and Apocalypse plus or any of the other stuff we've talked about on today's show but that's going to be it for another episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com the music for the show was composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud as ever to be a listener supported podcast if you get some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and gets us closer to our upcoming 
setting milestone goals of having a monthly Minecraft audio hangout in Discord where we just chat with our patrons about what they've been doing in Minecraft lately. We currently have 213 patrons, which is down from last week as Patreon does its monthly shuffle. But special thanks should go out to our content engineers, General Pattern82, Greener Canuck, JD Williamson, and Yitz for your support on this episode. In case we didn't mention it before, you can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. And of course, spread the word by sharing the podcast with your friends. It's the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at the Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to support the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and tell them about the Spawn Chunks and where they can go to listen. Where is that, you might ask? You can subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, really wherever you get your podcasts. The RSS feed is linked on the Spawn chunks.com and the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page that is where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast my name is johnny but online i go by pixel riffs you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash pixel riffs where i attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the minecraft survival guide i also stream three days a week on twitch reminder that tomorrow tuesday november 3rd i'll be finishing hopefully uh gathering enough ancient debris to build a full netherite beacon in the survival guide world i'm also the voice of the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search and aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online Everything I do online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me, just drop me a line through the site. The Citadel Cafe is a podcast to do about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. That's at thecitadelcafe.com. Uh, Ryan Murphy joined me last week. We talked about all of the details of Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5, and the coming titles for next-gen consoles. So if you're on the fence about that kind of stuff, check out thecitadelcafe.com. And of course, you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I am playing Minecraft and Borderlands 3 at the moment. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and is still a little spooky. Mm -hmm.